This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host, Chris Flamming, here as always. Welcome. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Danielle Kunkel Roberts to the show. She is the co owner of Boomer Benefits, headquartered in Texas, helping individuals navigate their entry into Medicare so they can confidently choose the insurance plan that best fits their lives. She has also authored a book on the subject and writes for several major publications. Danielle, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. My pleasure. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Let's jump in. So you have an interesting history, I'm sure. Take me through that just briefly, a summary of kind of what led you to where you are today. Okay. Well, in 2005, I founded our company and started off doing group and individual health insurance. And something that quickly started happening was that people were asking us about helping their parents. So we would write a group health program or an individual policy for a business owner. Usually these are lots of times people in their 40s, mid 40s. And so they would call back and say, hey, my mom is trying to get enrolled in Medicare and this stuff is really confusing. Do you know anything about it? And of course, we didn't at the time, but I went out there and and found what it was that they were looking at and realized that it was even more complicated and confusing than insurance that we provide for people under 65. So we got educated and certified to sell Medicare supplement products. And we learned along the way that many people put the cart before the horse. So they get bombarded by mailers and they have telemarketers calling them and they're trying to figure out Medicare Part D and Medicare Advantage plans before they even know how their federal government benefits work. And so that is the angle that we've taken at Boomer Benefits, where we provide an immense amount of education to people who are coming up on age 65 about what the parts of Medicare are, what they cover, what the costs are, when to enroll, uh, if Medicare will be primary, when you should enroll if you're still working. And that is our claim to fame is that we give you all of that education up front um, at no cost, of course. And then if you need help at the back end with setting up supplemental products, that's how we come in and earn a living. And then in addition to that, something that we've built in that I think is really important is that People on Medicare have never had national health insurance before. Their employers have chosen their insurance for them all their lives. So suddenly they're thrust into this national health care system with all of these moving parts. And literally in some counties, dozens and dozens of drug plan options. There are thousands of Medicare Advantage plans out there, and it can all be very confusing. So once we enroll someone into a policy with us, 
we help them on the back end. So if Medicare denies a claim and you don't know what to do, you call Boomer Benefits. If you have a doctor who miscoded something and now you get in the bill in the mail and you're not even sure if you owe this, who do you call? Do you call the doctor? Do you call Medicare? Do you call your insurance company? This is what people are dealing with out there at a time in their life when they should be riding off into the golden years and enjoying and experiencing things in their life that are more exciting than Medicare. Yeah. And so that's where we've come today. And now, now we don't do group and individual products anymore. We work just with the senior market because the need is so great with all of the baby boomers that have been aging in. What could be more exciting than Medicare? <laughs> I know. I'm Were you awake all night? Just so excited you, yeah. for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. For well, for you and I, it's interesting to talk about because it's you know part of the stuff that we do. Are we? I meant yeah. like ju- I meant for someone who is that age. I mean, like you said, yeah. so many other things that they'd rather be doing than having to get an education or a master's degree in a on a federal healthcare program. Absolutely sift through all of the different options that they have to do. So that's great. Okay. Well, if you could go back in time and and give the younger you some advice when you first started out, what do you think that that would be? So early on in an insurance agent's career, you don't know a lot about how carriers and things work. So you end up getting contracted with a lot of things that you don't need. And sometimes you're contracting through people that are not so scrupulous. And it takes a long time to be able to find the people in the industry and get your contracts set up and work with good people and make sure that you're providing products to people in an ethical manner and that these products warrant what you're selling. And that was not something that I expected. And it's not something that most insurance expect. It's sort of a rite of passage in the industry. So I wish that I had known a little earlier about how all of that worked so that I could be cognizant of that instead of all of the stop and starts that happen in the beginning. Um, It takes a while for you to figure out who are the main carriers that play in this space. How do you get contract with them? How do you get certified and appointed with them? And then how do you do the best job um, sorting through those products to make them match up with your clients? And so it was heavy, heavy research in the beginning. And that's absolutely necessary to be successful in this industry. Because I will tell you, the people that are aging into Medicare are not the World War II generation seniors. These people are savvy. They've been working on computers since the 80s. They buy insurance, other insurance products online, and they can spot uh, a fake (laughs) pretty easily. So I really feel like if I could go back and sit down with my future or my older self and say, here's all the things that you're going to need to know, I would have done a lot of heavier research into that in the beginning so that I could get more quickly to where we are today. But again, I think it is kind of a rite of passage in the insurance industry because that is what this generation demands and expects as well they should. Yeah, and you don't know if you don't know. Yeah, that's so there's right. Some, there's some rite of passage stuff that, that I had to go through similar in nature, too. And uh, I don't even know if it was avoidable, but uh, it, I guess you come out on the other end better for it and you make better decisions in the future with the experience. So what, what do you like best about your business right now? Is there is there one or two things? Yeah. So one thing I love about this industry is the opportunity to serve um, this generation of people. I can remember being young kid and they ask you what you want to do someday. And I always say, I want to work with the elderly. And I didn't really know what that means now. And of course, the clients that we're dealing with are not elderly at all. (laughs) Most of them, as I said, are pretty savvy. You don't want to call them that. They get offended. Yeah, they can. In fact, they don't even like the word seniors anymore. So I have to see, you know, look up the date of birth when they're calling in and see who you're talking to. But I love the opportunity to be a business that helps those that really need it. Um, 
a lot of times you will have um, a couple and one of them is the one that handles the insurance and the other one is kind of clueless about insurance. And that's very normal. In fact, in my own relationship, of course, I handle the insurance and my husband's like, whatever, you know, he doesn't know. But then sometimes a spouse will pass away. And the one left behind doesn't know anything about what they're supposed to be doing. And I love to be able that we have a team that we can take their hand and guide them through everything. We don't ever leave them alone with Medicare. And I like to be a business that provides that. I like to be a business that is holding their hand throughout the entire journey and making sure that they're never alone in dealing with this big wonky you know, national healthcare system. And there's a lot of personal fulfillment and satisfaction in that. This industry can provide that for people who want to seek that. You know, we're not selling auto insurance. This is actually very personal insurance. You're going to be dealing with people's health conditions and that's very personal. And I love the opportunity to provide service at that level and go to bed at night knowing that we've made a difference out there in the world, that someone can sleep better tonight, not worrying about what kind of bills are coming in their mailbox after they've had a hospital stay or they're experiencing cancer. Answer. And that is absolutely something that was so critical to me as an early entrepreneur when I was looking for a field to get into, to be able to do a, a job that matters. And the other part of that is now that having grown our business to over 100 employees, now I also get the opportunity to provide um, a good living for employees, to bring them into our mission, to provide legendary service to this group of people and provide jobs for people. So I guess you could say there's a fulfillment factor in, in many areas. Yeah, bringing people up and providing a good living for them in a way of yeah. life, and and they buy into your mission and what you're trying to accomplish. That's great. That's right. So let's let's jump into some Medicare stuff a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, what do you think the biggest misperception that you see clients having with Medicare, like when they're initially getting into it? Yeah. So they confuse when they're supposed to enroll. Social Security and Medicare have different enrollment dates. Social Security, you can choose 62 to 70. Medicare is at 65. And so you would be surprised that there are thousands of people out there every year that completely miss their Medicare enrollment. They didn't know. And especially if they're healthy, they're not really paying attention. And now years later, they're going to set that up and they're stuck with penalties that follow them for life. So that, of course, is a huge mistake. So my number one piece of advice is you should start researching Medicare a year to six six months to a year before you turn 65, even if you plan to still work so that you know everything you're dealing with, what you should be enrolling in, what you can delay if you do have employer insurance that you can delay safely, how large your employer sizes, all of those things matter. Understanding the election periods of when you can and can't get insurance is really important. A lot of people also come into coverage and they think that they can just sign up anytime they want to because they hear about these annual election periods. But there are certain products that those apply to and other products you could totally miss out on if you don't get them in the right window. And so that research ahead of time is so, so important. Yeah, again, very complicated. And you almost can't blame people for missing some of this stuff or not even knowing it's available because there's, like you said, thousands of options yeah. you have to try to sift through all that stuff. And the marketing on that can be pretty compelling and it might not really even apply to you. So let's try to demystify this for some people, for, for listeners. Can you explain just like real and simple terms, what Medicare Part A and B are? Sure. Um, you mentioned when they have to do it, um, but kind of just what are, what are those? 
Yeah. So Medicare was rolled out in the 60s. And this was the advent of the big Blue Cross and Blue Shield model of insurance. We had hospital coverage and outpatient coverage. And that is how Medicare is built. And that is how it has stayed. So original Medicare has only two parts, Medicare parts A and B. Part A is your inpatient hospital coverage. It's going to provide room and board in a semi-private room, doctors and nurses that come around and check on you. Um, it's going to pay for things like blood transfusions and hospice, skilled nursing, and anything related to that hospital stay. Even medications related to the hospital stay are covered under Part A. And then Part B is your outpatient coverage. And you and I think of this as lab work and preventive care and doctor visits, but there's a whole bunch of other things that would fall under Part B, durable medical equipment, physical therapy, um, chemotherapy, dialysis, radiation, outpatient surgeries. There are so many things. And so sometimes there might be something that you would think would be covered under Part A because it happens in a hospital setting. Like if you go to a hospital and there's a clinic there and you have an MRI done, you might you know, you might think it's going to be built under Part A, but it actually falls under Part B. And the way that Medicare covers claims under Part A and Part B is different. And so sometimes people will say, if I'm really healthy and I'm not planning on using my outpatient coverage, could I just have Part A? And the answer would be, if Medicare is your primary coverage and you don't have something like employer coverage that's uh, from a large employer that's primary to Medicare, then you absolutely do need both Medicare A and B. They work together. And lots of things that get performed by a physician, even if it happens in a hospital setting like an outpatient surgery, will fall under Part B. So you definitely need both. Now, those are the only two parts that you're going to sign up for through the Social Security Office or the Railroad Retirement Board. Medicare Part C and D came later. Later, and they are optional and you buy them from insurance companies. So even though Medicare regulates them and has guidelines for them, you're not going to sign up for those two parts of social security. Right. So that's when that kind of segues into those supplementals that people can do. How many, how many are there? It's like alphabet soup. Right? Yeah. I, well, mean, I don't know if they've carried over into the Greek alphabet yet or, <laughs> or not, but please no, please <laughs> no. <laughs> There's, Medicare parts A, B, C, and D, and then in all their infinite wisdom, either the federal government or the, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners named the Medicare supplement plans A, B, C, D. And so you have 10 standardized plans that also are named with letters, which causes endless confusion to people that are new to Medicare, and they use the wrong terminology all the time. So the important thing to know about Medicare supplements, which are also called Medigap plans, the same thing, just two different terms. There's 10 standardized plans. So you can buy one that has a lot of benefits, or you can buy one that has kind of a little bit of benefits, but maybe not as rich. Obviously, the ones with the more comprehensive benefits are going to cost more. But even the ones on the lowest end of the spectrum are going to cover your 20% coinsurance on Part B. What that means is Medicare only covers 80% of your outpatient benefits, the other 20% you pay for. And so any Medigap plan you buy is going to pay for that Part A coinsurance. And then they have different other parts like deductibles and things that they may or may not cover based on what you choose. Also, hardly anyone enrolls in Medigap plan A, B, C, or D because people on fixed incomes want predictable coverage. And so the plans with the most benefits are the plans that are most popular. Right now, the two top sellers for people new to Medicare are plan G and plan N. With a plan G, it's going to cover absolutely all of those holes in Medicare parts A and B, all of the deductibles and copays that you would otherwise have to pay except for your outpatient deductible, which in 2022 is $233. So just imagine if you had health insurance coverage, 
with a $233 deductible. And then after that, everything was covered for you at 100%. That is pretty dang good coverage. My deductible is $3,500 and I pay like $600 a month for that. Medicare is way better than that if you pair it with a Medicare supplement like Plan G. Um, So that one, of course, is the most popular seller in our office and in many places right now. Another popular one is Plan N, which has a little less benefits than Plan G. You pick up a few extra things like excess charges and ER and doctor copays. But then in many states, the because of that, the premium will be lower. So when as a broker, when we're working with a new client, we're kind of feeling out their um, their how much risk they're willing to tolerate and then helping them choose a plan that's going to meet their needs and their budget. And those 10 standardized Medigap plans also are the ones that give you the best access. So when you have original Medicare and a Medigap plan, you can go to any provider in the nation that accepts Medicare. There are over 1 million of them. You don't have to choose a primary care doctor. You don't have to get a referral to see a specialist. And so if you plan to travel or snowbird, maybe you live in an RV and you're moving around, or you have you spend three months every year in Michigan because that's where the grandkids are, it's great to have original Medicare and a Medigap plan because you can use that anywhere you want to in the nation. Medigap plans don't cover outpatient drugs, though. That's why Part D was created in 2006. And so you would add on that for your outpatient drug coverage if that's the route that you went, as opposed to Medicare Advantage, which is the other route. Okay. And that's a good segue because I wanted to drill down on the Part D. So if you can kind of yeah, give us an overview of that, because obviously lots of people are, I don't know whether it's a good or bad thing, but we're heavily medicated in the country. So there's a lot of people <laughs> that are taking some kind of prescription. Yeah. Prescribed by the doctor. So what do we need to know about that? Yeah. So for over 40 years on Medicare, there was no outpatient drug coverage. Like we had clients back in 2005 paying tens of thousands of dollars for expensive diabetes medicines. And fortunately, uh, this was recognized by Congress at some point, and they ended up putting together the Part D program and rolling that out in 2006. And so Part D is not perfect. It has a bunch of stages in it that are kind of confusing to understand, especially when all your life, you just use the same insurance card that your employer gave you at the hospital, doctor, and pharmacy. With original Medicare and a Part D drug plan, you're going to have a separate card for the pharmacy. But what this does is it's insurance that you can buy that will help you reduce the cost of your prescriptions on an outpatient basis. Meaning, yes, there's some spending for you, but there's also significant coverage involved in that. So you may have a medication that's a couple of hundred dollars, but maybe on your plan, the copay that you're paying is only $50 or $60. This kind of coverage is really, really important, especially now after the pandemic, when we've had a sort of a shift in in some of the ways that cancer is treated and they're using oral chemotherapy meds more than ever before. those are quite expensive and to not have coverage for them would be a disaster. Um, Part D has something called catastrophic coverage in it, which is the most important reason you should buy Part D. And that what that means is that if your total drug spending in one given year reaches a certain uh, catastrophic coverage limit, after that point, you will pay no more than 5% of the cost of your medications for the rest of the year. So while it's not a total maximum out-of-pocket limit, it does reduce what you were spending from hundreds of dollars to maybe a few dollars. Or if it's a medication that's thousands of dollars, maybe now it's only a few hundred dollars. And so that is the real reason why people should enroll in Part D. There's also a penalty if you don't enroll and you don't have other creditable coverage like from employer plan. So uh, when people ask me, hey, I don't take any meds and 
uh, or I only take a few generic meds and I can use good RX to get them cheaply, should I still buy Part D? Um, my answer is always yes, because you can't just enroll in it anytime you want. You have to wait until a valid election period and you don't want to get sick and need a very expensive medication and not be able to get into a plan until the end of the year with your new coverage starting in January. And you also don't want to be incurring this penalty where when you finally get the coverage, now you're paying uh, way more for it for the rest of your life than you would have if you had just enrolled in a $7 plan to begin with when you first had the opportunity to do so. So what what is that? Give us an idea of what the catastrophic like limit is that you were referencing. Mm-hmm. I know it varies by plan, but get, do you have like a range of what it var- what it typically is? Yeah. So actually, the catastrophic limit is set by Medicare each year, and the plans they can always enhance the the plans and do better than what Medicare allows. But the limit set by Medicare in 2022 is seven thousand and fifty dollars. So what that means is if you're spending money on drugs, they're tallying what you spend the entire time. And then if you reach something called the coverage gap or what's called the donut hole, you're spending and you also have um, insurance companies giving you discounts during that window. And those two figures added together, if they reach 7,050, then at that point, you're only going to pay a, a few dollars or, or no more than 5% of the cost of your drugs for the rest of that year. And so, you know, for somebody on a fixed income, spending $7,050 or slightly less than that, because some of that would be the insurance discounts as well, is still a lot of money, right? Um, so the coverage certainly isn't perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better than if you had no coverage and ended up, you know, you have diabetes and you need a $600 Lantus pen uh, or one of the chemo meds, which can be thousands and thousands of dollars per month. You don't want to get stuck without that. Yeah. And that's a big, big difference, even though those plans don't cost a lot in a lot of cases of prescription ones. That's a major difference in someone's budget in their life. Yeah. And there are plans out there really inexpensive. So there are basic plans that you can get in most states and they might be seven or $10. So even if you don't take any medications, I would go ahead and at least enroll in one of the basic plans because at least there's something. And all of the drug plans do have certain parameters. They must include at least two medications in every therapeutic class so that if you bought one saying, well, I don't take any medications, but now in the middle of June, you get sick and you need a new medication, the doctor can look at the the formulary and pick a drug that's going to help you, right? So they have at least two meds from every therapeutic class must be included. And then there's like six classes of medications that they must include all or substantially all of the drugs that treat that. And these are going to be things like um, anti-cancer medicines, anti-psychotics, antidepressants, antiretrovirals. And so no matter which plan you buy, all of those are ones that have to really be included by the carriers. So even a very basic inexpensive plan is going to have some significant coverage of, of medicines that are required by Medicare that they cover those. All right. That's, that's really good information. Let's switch gears over to advantage plans. So that's a different animal. Um, Give us a, give us a high overview of those. Okay. So for years we had just original Medicare and Medigap. Those were your two options. Well, there are people living out there on social security only who cannot afford to spend a hundred or $200 a month for a Medigap plan, depending on where they live, the geographic area and a bunch of other factors affect those rates. And so there would be people just going with original Medicare and nothing else, which means 
they have exposure to paying 20% of their outpatient costs forever with no cap. And this could be something that would easily cause medical bankruptcy. So the Balanced Budget Act created a new type of plan that they rolled out. And these were called, it's called Medicare Part C, or we've commonly referred to them as Medicare Advantage plans. These are very different than having your Medicare through original Medicare and then adding on a supplement. When you enroll in an Advantage plan, that's going to pay instead of Medicare. So you'll get all your same Medicare Part A and B healthcare services through this Advantage plan, but it's offered by a private insurance company, which has a local network of providers, and you agree to get your treatment from those networks. These could be either an HMO or PPO style network, most of them. An HMO is going to be the most restrictive. We've been on these before with companies we've worked with, right? Where um, the plan that you enroll in, you have to choose a primary care doctor. You can't even see a specialist unless he first fills out a referral and submits it to the insurance company. The insurance company can take a look and say, oh, you know, we're, we're going to need some prior authorization on that. We need more data. And so when you enroll in an advanced plan, the main thing to understand is you've now agreed to get your benefits through an insurance company that is in business to make money. So no matter what Joe Namath tells you on TV about how great everything is going to be on that plan, you need to be very careful to research carefully, sit down with an insurance agent, look and see the summary of benefits and see what's covered. All of the same services are covered in there, but how you access your providers is important. So is your doctor in the network? Is your favorite hospital in the network? Is the drugs that you take. If if you choose an advantage plan, there are some, most of them have a built-in Part D drug plan. So you access Medicare Advantage very differently than you do with original Medicare and Medigap. And uh, so you want to be careful uh, to research them carefully. But Advantage plans have much lower premiums than Medigap plans. In fact, in many urban areas, you can find what's called a zero premium Medicare Advantage plan. So what that means is that they're not charging you anything for the insurance coverage beyond what you already pay for Part B, which you still continue to pay for Part B, even if you enroll in an Advantage plan. But they're not charging you anything more than that. And so these plans appeal quite a bit to people who may be very healthy. And they say, you know, I don't want to spend $150 a month on a Medigap plan. When I go to the doctor once a year for a wellness visit, I don't want to spend that. They may be more apt to enroll in an Advantage plan where instead of paying all that money up front, they have a lower premium and then they're just paying co-pays and co-insurance as they go along. So they might pay, say, $10 or $20 when they go to a primary care doctor. It might be 50 or 60 each time they visit a specialist. Maybe a hospital stay will be $200 a night. So there's a lot of paying of co-pays with Advantage plans. And in some areas with Advantage plans, you may pay a co-insurance, which means a percentage of the cost of the service. We see this commonly with Advantage plans where they will charge up to 20% for cancer treatment. Well, 20% of cancer treatment is quite a pretty penny. However, all Medicare Advantage plans have a maximum out-of-pocket limit on the plan so that if you are spending on something expensive like that and your spending on A and B services reaches the limit, then after that, you're done for the year and you have no more spending on A and B services until the renewal of the plan in January. So, So the thing to understand about Advantage plans beyond just making sure your doctor's in the network and not checking all of that is, can you afford it if you have a serious illness? Yes, the, the premium is cheaper, but that doesn't mean it's free because you're going to have co-pays and co-insurance if you go along. And so what I suggest to the people that enroll through our agency, if they indicate they want an advantage and we find a plan that has their doctor and their drugs and everything all included is build a rainy day fund. 
take the $100 that you would have put into a Medigap plan, put it in a bank account that you never touch unless you need it for a medical emergency. And so if you do encounter some health conditions a few years down the road on your Advantage plan, you'll have some money set aside that you can pull from and then you won't be panicking about how expensive the plan gets when you start actually having to use the medical benefits. And so there's a big choice, right, for everyone. They're going to be choosing to go one of these two routes. And it's not a simple choice. You really want to research your options and completely know what you're buying when you make that decision. Because if you go one route, you may not ever be able to get back to another route. And I cover this in my book about knowing what you're giving up when you enroll in one type of coverage or the other. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's a good reason also to maybe have an HSA account that's accumulated a balance where they could pull money Bad. from that, where they got to put the money in and deduct it as they were working. And then when they use it for medical care, it doesn't have any tax consequence. So you yeah. mentioned your book titled 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make About Medicare. Um, can you highlight what you consider to be the, the probably the most common mistakes or the top ones and the best ways to avoid making those? Yeah. So in the book, there's one called the big mistake and it has its own chapter dedicated to it. Oh, wow. And the big mistake is, yeah. So everybody hears about this annual election period in the fall. It runs from October 15th to December 7th. Uh, Many people call it open Medicare open enrollment. We call it Medicare annual election. Um, Same deal. People think that they, so you have Medigap coverage and Medicare Advantage coverage and the Medigap coverage clearly It's more expensive, it's more comprehensive, and you can use it much more broadly because it's not a local network. You have access to all the 1 million providers. So people think, you know, I'm going to buy this Advantage plan that's cheaper, and I'll just wait till I get sick. And then if I do develop cancer, I'll just switch back into the annual election period and pick up this Medigap plan. Well, it doesn't work like that. The, The annual election period in the fall has nothing to do with Medigap plans at all. It is a time when you can enroll in, change, or disenroll from a Part D drug plan or an Advantage plan. Those two types of plans have no health questions. Anyone can get them as long as they enroll during a valid election period and they live in the plan service area. Um, if you have an Advantage plan, you have to have A and B first become eligible. If you have, uh, if you want to buy a Part D plan, you have to have either Medicare Part A or B. But once you're on there, you would maybe want to switch from year to year. You might change your drug plan. Let's say you develop new health condition uh, and you need to make a change. You can do that in the fall during the annual election period. But what you can't do is, you know, go back to original Medicare and you've been in your Advantage plan, say, for three years now. And now you want to go back to original Medicare and pick up a plan G because you're having all this healthcare spending on your Advantage plan and you wish you had bought the Medigap plan. Well, when you first enroll in Medicare, your Part B effective date initiates a one-time six-month open enrollment window during which you can enroll in a Medigap plan. That's when you should get it. If there's a health condition that's going to prevent you from getting one later, you want to buy it during that window. Once that six months expires, now, in order to get a Medigap plan in most states, you're going to have to answer underwriting questions, a whole page of them where the carrier is looking for you to answer no to those health questions. They're going to look at a two to five year health history. They have big brother to look at all the prescriptions you've taken in the last few years, and they can turn you down if they want to because... Medicare supplement coverage is secondary. Your original Medicare doesn't prevent you from, there's no health conditions to get Medicare. So a Medigap plan is secondary. That's optional additional coverage. And so they can underwrite you. They can say, nope, you're too much of a risk. We're not going to take you on. So don't assume 
that you can just wait until you get sick someday and then go out and buy a plan G. In most states, you won't be able to do that. And people get this wrong all the time and they're very upset when they find out about it. So this is something you want to know going in because it might be better for you to do a Medigap plan up front while you can afford it. Maybe later you transition to an Advantage plan, which is easy to do because there's no health questions. You just wait till the proper election period. But if you enroll in an Advantage plan up front and you're in that plan for longer than a year, um, then switching back to original Medicare and getting a Medigap plan is going to require the underwriting. Um, and these are just things that, that, you know, the word open enrollment, common sense would mean you could enroll in any plan you want, but that's not how it works. And it catches many people off guard every year. They could put a little asterisk beside it, mm-hmm. Danielle, and then have the fine print down at the bottom. That's right. That, that nobody reads. Okay. Yeah. So what about people who get stuck in this time frame between like, they may retire in their mid to late fifties uh, or even like around 60 or something. Because a lot of times 59 and a half or 60 is like an important uh, time frame from a tax standpoint. And then they're not 65 yet, but they have that window and they don't have any kind of employer provided retiree health insurance. Are there are there any good like options or ways that people should look at that? I'm not talking like specific plans. I just yeah. how How do how do they go about tackling that problem? Yeah, it's much easier today than it used to be. So when I started to get an individual health insurance plan, you had to go through underwriting and they could exclude health conditions or they could just not cover you at all. But the ACA legislation, which was passed in 2010 and took effect a few years later, now has created the health insurance exchange. So you can go to healthcare.gov, you punch in your zip code, uh, you can put in some information about your income, and then it will show you a whole list of plans that you're eligible to enroll in in your area. There are um, enrollment periods. So uh, if you're just coming off of, let's say you're losing health insurance because your spouse went on Medicare and he had or he or she had the employer coverage, you'll have a limited window of time called a special election period when you can go to healthcare.gov and you can sign up for a plan with without any problems. Otherwise, there's an annual open enrollment for these ACA plans that you can do and get later. But you can enroll in any plan that you want to that's offered. There are no health questions asked. Um, there will be plans with very robust coverage, low deductibles, and those are going to cost more. And then there's plans with quite high deductibles where you're really only getting sort of catastrophic coverage, and those are going to be less expensive. But if, if your income, depending on your household income, there are subsidies available from the federal government that can bring the premium down. So depending on what you earn, you might even be able to qualify for that plan and you don't even pay the full premium yourself because the government is picking up a part of that for you. And so now today, people have a much better way of getting true, helpful healthcare uh, coverage through healthcare.gov and the exchange than what we had uh, prior to the ACA legislation. All right. Thank you for clearing that up. So let's switch gears. I, I'm wondering, like, what would you say is your biggest life accomplishment so far? Oh, wow. This is a tough one, huh? Well, in terms of my career, I feel like the brand awareness that we've built with Boomer Benefits is huge. There are lots of big call centers out there that you will talk to on the phone. And in 30 minutes, they're going to sling a plan to you. And then you'll never talk to those people again. And that is just not the way that we do business. 
we have intentionally built a company that has our company um, vision for all of our employees, which we bring them into in the beginning is be legendary. We want the salespeople and especially the service people to provide legendary service to beneficiaries. And so I always feel uh, very proud of that and uh, proud that we've built a company that so many people they know the type of service that's going to um, be considered for them when they come into this company and work with us. And that brand awareness, I think, has been really, really important to me. Um, on a personal level, I am a great dog mom. My dogs live the life of Riley. <laughs> they are the most spoiled dogs you will ever meet in a million years. They get fancy food and they go for a long walk in the woods every morning with me. And uh, they are the light of my life. So if you're a dog lover, I'll out there listening to this, um, you and I would get along very well. Yeah, it'd be kindred spirits. Okay. <laughs> so is there is there something, um, what would you consider to be your business's biggest opportunity you see going forward in the future? Yeah. Um, so it's such an interesting time in the Medicare market where you mm-hmm. have actually all these private equity companies coming in and showing interest in the market mm-hmm. and trying to buy up companies. We get calls every week from all sorts of companies out there, um, bigger insurance companies, Wall Street firms. And so there is, of course, a really huge opportunity for us at some point um, to sell our business to um, a larger company or somebody on Wall Street, even to do something like go public. All of these things are a possibility when you've had success in this industry. Uh, so the, there might be a day where we exit uh, the industry and we, and we are able to ride off into the sunset and make a very good retirement for ourselves. Um, but there might also just be that we put in executives here at Boomer Benefits and we let them run the company and we retain ownership. That gives us more control over the future of our employees and their welfare. Um, neither my brother or I have any children. And so we are not going to have to leave any legacy for anyone. I'll probably donate it all to the Humane Society when I go. <laughs> so Not um, for the caps, though. Not the cats. The cats the can't cats. have it. But, the cats but, get zero. That's right. Cats are out, but <laughs> guinea pigs, um, horses, all the other ones, they're good. <laughs> right, right. So that's probably the potential that we have out in the future. And, and who knows? Right now, we're committed to continue to do this for a while. We both love the business very much. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to know that those options will be there for us when we're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some kind of an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that, what do you see as the biggest challenge or obstacle that the business has yet to overcome? It's definitely being able to hire in enough people that are mm-hmm. qualified to do the job. Mm-hmm. And of course, the great resignation and the pandemic have affected this a lot because there are people out there that want to do the work from home thing. Uh, we're starting to see companies getting their workforces to return to actually working in the office. But, you know, being able to hire and maintain enough salespeople and service people in an actual call center environment and having them get up and leave their houses every day to come and work for us, um, that's going to require some creativity. We've got to get, uh, we've got to make sure that we're really solid with the benefits that we're offering. We need to offer attractive pay and make sure that all the, the company culture is one that it can attract the people. So we actually just, um, started our expansion into the rest on where we're at. We have half of the fifth floor. And we'll be expanding into the other half, which will allow us to go from 100 to almost 300 employees. And so we've kind of broken ground on that. But in order to be able to get there, we've got to find um, great people to staff all of our seats. And so that will be the biggest challenge that we're facing here in the years ahead. 
Yeah. And that's, it's definitely a job seekers market right now. It is. Yeah. That, which is never something really that, I don't know if, if you've experienced, never something really that I've experienced um, in all of my years of having employees is the job seeker now has the leverage, it seems. Yeah. Not so much the person offering the job. Okay. We're getting uh, close to the end of our time. If people want to learn more about you or contact you or look you up, um, what's the best way for them to do that, Danielle? So our website is pretty easy to find. It's boomerbenefits.com. We also have a great YouTube channel and a Facebook page. If you are someone coming up on Medicare here in the years ahead and the not too distant future, we have a private Facebook group called Medicare Q&A with Boomer Benefits. And you can actually join that group for free. You don't have to be a client. You just need to be a Medicare beneficiary who's trying to figure these things out or a soon-to-be retiree. And you can come in there and ask questions. And myself and my team are in there answering these questions 365 days a year. The first thing I did on Christmas morning was log in and answer the questions that had come in the night before. So we will never make you wait more than 24 hours for an answer to those questions. We'd love to have you. Okay. Fantastic, Danielle. So I want to thank you. I really appreciate it taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a true pleasure, very informative, lots of information in a short period of time, but I think we've all gotten a little smarter on the subject today for sure. And I want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, Danielle, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Be well. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. 